Good morning. <clears throat> Praise the Lord, good to see you. Um, it's a joy to bring the word to you for the first time as your, your pastor. Um, it's been a few months um, <clears throat> since the Lord has called me to, to shepherd you. And I can tell you on behalf of uh, your other under-shepherds, we love you. They love you. It's been a joy to see how they've been shepherding and seeking to love y'all. And, and even in the midst of what's going on in our world, uh, on behalf of the others, we, we love you and we are praying for you and for your children. Children, if you can hear me say, I hear you. Amen. Well, this morning, I want you to hear from God's word on how to become a child. Some of you are sitting next to your daddies. But it's my prayer, it's been my prayer for you. I've prayed for you by name that, that today, even today, that you would become a child of God. And so with that, we turn our attention to the word. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. There is the true light which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, And those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray. Our Father, oh, what a joy to call you Father. God, our Father, I pray that even now, that that Jesus, your beloved Son, would would shine, that that, that He would get much glory in this hour. And Father, I pray that that for for believers, for us, that we would be encouraged by Your Word, and for for those who don't know Jesus, that that this would be the day of salvation. They would come to know the true light. They would come to know and trust the Son whom You sent. In Jesus' name, amen. In the late 1990s, a famous country singer came out with a song entitled, We're All God's Children. Listen to the lyrics. Here comes a Baptist, here comes a Jew. There goes a Mormon and a Muslim too. I see a Buddhist and a Hindu. I see a Catholic and I see you. We're all God's children. We're all God's children. We're all God's children. Why can't we be one big happy family? You like the day and I like the night. He's into country and he isn't quite. There's folks on the left in the far right. But that doesn't mean that we have to fight. We're all God's children. All God's children. Church, it's 2020 and the world is is still preaching this. You believe what you want. You do what you want. But at the end of the day, we're all part of the same family. We're all God's children, so let's just get along. But John here tells us in the Gospel of John that we're actually not all God's children. He tells us that that some of us in this room are not a part of God's family. But oh, there's good news, church. Because not only does John tell us that we're not all God's children, but he also tells us how we can become one of God's children. And that's the title of the sermon, How to Become God's Child. How to Become God's Child. Now, as Jordan has been saying the the last few weeks, this this passage, uh, the prologue, the first 18 verses of the Gospel of John, it's broken up into to three parts, and it's, it's here in verses 11 through 13 uh, th- that we find the, what I believe is, is the, the purpose, the, the purpose of, of this, this great Christology that we get in the first 10 verses, and this great Christology that we get of, of Jesus and who he is, the true light, the word, the one who became flesh that we get in verses 14 to 18. We, we, we find in the, the center why, why he came. And what he came to do. 
We find the main point of the prologue, and, and, I, and I think it's an echo, a crescendo, if you will, of the, the, the heart of the entire Gospel of John. Remember our pastor Rick, he preached John 20, 30-31, and listen again to the pertinent statement of the Gospel of John. John 20, now G- Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That same type of language is used in our text. But as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believed in his name, that by believing, you may have life in his name. Verse 13, those born not of blood, nor nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Birth gives life. Life comes through believing. It's Jesus' miraculous coming was so that many who would believe would become children of God. And so under that umbrella, we have three main points with emphasis on our third. One, the true light came. Two, The true light was rejected. And three, the true light gave. He was, he came, he was rejected, and he gave. As we consider how God's, how to become God's child, let's consider it from the perspective of Jesus himself and what he experienced in order to make this a reality. First, the true light came. The only way you can become a child of God is because the true light came. Jesus, he had to come. John 1, 9 says, There was the true light which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. In the previous verses, John the writer is speaking of John the Baptist, what we heard last week. And John the writer says of John the Baptist, He came to testify about the light. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Verse 9, there was the true light. We see here there's a shift in the discussion. John, the writer, he's moving on from talking about the shadow or the lamp to now talking about the true light. By true light, John is referring to the Word, who was, as verse 4 says, the light of men. And based on next week's sermon text, John 1.14, we know that this word, this true light, to be referring to Jesus, who was the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. The true light came. This true light is the genuine light. It's the real deal. It's the, the ultimate light. Before Christ came, there were false lights. There were false prophets. And there were lights or there were shadows like Moses and Jeremiah and Daniel and no doubt John the Baptist. But whether they were false or shadows, Jesus was the genuine light. The others might have testified about God, but Jesus, the true light, revealed God fully. He was the true light. And as the true light He was coming into the world. Now some translations mark this phrase, coming into the world, and connect it with enlightens every man. So your translation might read, there was the true light which enlightens every man coming into the world. And while a case can be made and has been made for that translation, I believe the best way to read it, as most translations read it, There was the true light which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. The coming into the world is connected to the true light. and You can see it contextually. Look at me at verse 10. He, that is the true light, was in the world. And then verse 11. He came to his own. So there's this natural progression that that leads me and many others to believe that Jesus was coming into the world 
as the true light. And that is speaking of his incarnation. The word that became flesh. And so the true light coming came into the world. He came. You can't become a child of God if Jesus did not come. Now, what was the light doing as he came into the world? Verse 9 says, There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. Enlightens every man. Now, there's this, there's a, there's this debate, there's a discussion on, on what John means here by enlightens every man. But, it, but, but everyone, every biblical scholar, would agree and attest to it doesn't mean that Jesus comes to save every man. He, he's not talking about universal salvation. That, that Jesus enlightens the heart of everybody. I.e. everybody in this room. He, he's not talking about we're all God's children. So what does he mean? There's a couple options. There's a few options. I'll give you a couple. One that Jesus shines on every man pre-incarnation and giving general revelation so that man is without excuse. It's Romans 1. Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them for God in the person of Christ made it evident to them. So God in Christ has enlightened every man's heart to the reality of God. Everybody knows that God exists, but some people, as Romans 1 say, they suppress it. They don't want to believe it. So he, he could mean general revelation. We all have a knowledge of God, whether we claim it or not. Or two, by enlightens every man, he could be referring to that in regards to salvation. In other words, Jesus spiritually enlightens members from every ethnicity, every tribe and tongue, Jew, Gentile, black, white, Asian, and all men. He enlightens those who come to him by faith. It's not just for one people group. I personally tend to lean towards the first point. As Jesus enlightens every man to the reality of God pre-incarnate, and also during his incarnation. Listen to what D.E. Carson, in his commentary on the Gospel of John, says of verse 9. It, the light, shines on every man and divides the race, that is, the human race, the one race. Those who hate the light respond as the world does. They flee lest their deeds should be exposed by this light. But some receive this light and thereby testify that their deeds have been done through God. In short, Jesus enlightens all man in creation of God's existence and thus exposing man for who he is. Sinful. How can you become God's child? It starts with Jesus, the true light, coming and exposing us of our sinful condition. And praise God. True light came. Amen? Secondly, our second point, he was rejected. The true light was rejected. Two sub points. One, that the true light was rejected by the world. And two, he was rejected by his own people. First, he was rejected by the world. The rejection of Christ will, will lead to his crucifixion in his resurrection, which is the grounds of the believer's salvation. So it is Christ's rejection that, that leads one to be able to become a child of God. He was rejected. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. John is emphasizing that Jesus was in the world in which he created the physical world, but, but also the, the, the world systems 
He was dealing with the systems of the world, the political and cultural systems that were even against him. He did not separate himself from these things. He was in the world. He had come to the world incarnate as human flesh. The one, verse 10, who made, who through the world was made, the creator of it all, the earth, the stars, the galaxies, people, world systems, things visible and invisible, the creator of all things was in the world as the true light. He was in the world in human form, and yet, verse 10 says, the world did not know him. The world, word world here is speaking of the world systems, the culture, political, spiritual, education, the arts, all the world systems, the media, all, all the things that make up this world that are against God. The world did not know him. It did not know him personally. It did not know him for, salvifically. Not merely just intellectually. If you have the NIV, it says the world did not recognize him. The creator came and they missed him. They missed the one who made them. How could that be? Why? Why could they miss the true light? One of my favorite movies of all time is Remember the Titans. It came out in 2000. It was based on a true story. The setting takes place in Virginia during the 1970s. It was a time of desegregation. T.C. Williams High School was forced to integrate black and white students. Reluctantly, they do, but the community hasn't caught on. They're not quite feeling this, this whole integration deal. There's a scene in which after winning the first football game, the, the black and white football players, they, they go out in the town and they're celebrating. Celebrating their first win. And a few of them, uh, one, one named Sunshine, he, he wants to take a couple of them, Petey and Blue, black football players, into a, uh, to a restaurant. It's a white-only restaurant. And Petey, the black football player, tells him, it's, it's Virginia, man, they got problems. And Blue the, chimes in, he says, they don't want us in there. But Sunshine, who's from California, who ain't, he, he says, man, that's history. Let's go in, I got you. And so they go in, and if you haven't watched the movie, you probably know the rest of the story. They get kicked out, told to go to the back. And, and as they exit, Petey, he's hot. He's, he's, he's angry because he, he testified, he told Sunshine what was going to happen. And so as they exit, he pushes him. And Sunshine replies, man, man I, I didn't know. Blue comes to Sunshine's defense and says, hey, man, he didn't know. Petey looks at Blue and says, man, he didn't want to know. He didn't want to know. In other words, regardless of the witnesses, regardless of of Sunshine and Blue telling him, man, they don't want us in there. Regardless of of Sunshine who who could sit out on the bench and who could see there's the white section and there's a black section, he, he still was blinded to the reality that that segregation in Virginia existed. And so with with, with those evidences, with that that witness, Petey Petey comes to the conclusion that he don't want to know. How could you you be told by your own people and still come to the conclusion that it doesn't exist? Church, may I suggest the world its people, and its systems are like sunshine. When it comes to Christ, they don't want to know. The world didn't then and still doesn't today want to know that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. They don't want to know the true answers to our problems in America. They'd rather believe that November... That election day is going to save our land. They don't want to know that Jesus is 
solution. Regardless of John's testimony, regardless of the creator himself coming down, the one who made the world, who sustains it all, regardless of all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, they didn't want to know that the true light was the Christ. They, the world, rejected him. And John, the writer, goes on in John 3 to tell us why they rejected him and why people today still reject him. John 3, 19 and 20. And this is the judgment, Jesus says. The light has come into the world. He's come. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. They didn't know Jesus. The world didn't know Jesus. People who who loved this world didn't know Jesus, not because he didn't shine bright enough, not because he didn't have witnesses like John, but because they didn't want to know. They rejected him because the world loves darkness. And people who love this world and all that it offers They hate the light, the true light. They love their sin. Is that you today? Are you somebody who's heard the gospel Sunday after Sunday? And have you, like the world, rejected him? Children, have your parents, teenagers, have your your parents opened the book and, and told you about how the creator of the universe came down and became a man. Has someone told you, has your parents told you time and time again how Jesus, God in the flesh, lived perfectly before God and man? How he was rejected by men, how he went to the cross, how his blood was shed, how he died. Have they unfolded to you the scriptures which says that this Jesus was was buried but up from the grave he arose? Have they told you and pointed you to 1 Corinthians 15 where it says that that Jesus, he appeared to his disciples? Have they they opened the word that tells you that in Acts that this Jesus, that he's ascended on high and now he's even at the right hand of the Father? Have you been told this message and like the world Rejected him. Oh, do not harden your heart. As the sermon series says, believe and live. Do it, God. Do it, God. So the world was, so the, the world rejected the true light, but also, second point, second under this, Overall point, the true light was not only rejected by the people of this world, but he even more specifically and sadly was rejected by his own people. John 1.10 says, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. Jesus came to his own. See it again? He came. The word own here is used twice in verse 11. The first time, it refers to that of of possessions or one's home. Jesus, who made the earth, he owns it. He owns everything, including you and I. He came to his own. And while this could be the, the speaking of creation in general, like he came to the earth, I think the rest of verse 11 tells us specifically of who he's referring to when he says he came to his own. John says that those who were his own did not receive him. So who were his own? It was the Jewish people. It was the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 7, 8, Moses tells Israel, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. 
out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And yet, it was these people, God's own treasured possession, who knew the law, who read the law, who heard the law, who sacrificed to God, prayed to God. It was these people, his own people, who when the true light came, Christ himself, when he came into the world, when he came to his own people, whom he made, they did not receive him. They rejected him. They called him out of his name. Listen to John and the rest of the gospel of, of some of the portions of scripture in which Jesus' own people rejected him. In John 5, they were persecuting Jesus. Later in John 5, they were seeking to kill him for breaking the Sabbath. In John 6, many of the disciples turned their back on him. They left him. In John 7, they accused him of leading people astray. John 7, they also accused him of having a demon. And John 7, later in John 7, they, they try to rationalize that he's not the Christ because they didn't want to know. In John 9, they said he's not from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. And later in John 9, they call him a sinner. There's a host of other accusations leading up to his death. What's the point? The world in Christ's own people. They rejected him. They did not receive him. Have you received him? Have you taken Christ as your own? If you've not, as you heard last week, help me God, the wrath of God still abides on you. You are not a child of God. But oh, there's grace, church. If you have received this Jesus Christ, this true light, or if you will today receive him, look at verse 12. He says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And that brings us to our sermon title, How to Become God's Child. Point three, he gave. He gave the true light. Jesus Christ gave. Well, what did he give? Answer, the right to become children of God. To whom did he give this right? Answer, to those who receive Christ by faith, to those who are born of God. To those who receive Christ by faith, to those who are born of God. And so what do we need to do to be given this right to be God's child? Receive Christ by faith. To receive him is to lay hold of him. Those who have received him have taken Christ as their own or to have laid claim of him, to, to grasp on and hold him. S.M. Lockridge, a black preacher who pastored out of San Diego, once preached a sermon that's now going viral. Some of you might have heard it. It's tagged, that's my king. Do you know? You see, S.M. Lockridge, he, he, he claimed Christ and all that is Jesus as his own. Can you say he's mine this morning? In verse 12, notice the tense. But to as many as received him. There comes a time when one who's God shall, they receive Christ. Well, how do you receive Christ? Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. The ESV and other Bible translations translate verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so it is the second clause, who believe in his name, that describes, that shows how one receives Christ. You receive 
Christ by believing in his name, but receiving him by faith. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. If you've ever been to Rudin, I trust you know this verse. You can say it with me out loud or in your heart. Therefore, as you receive Christ, so walk in him. Have been firmly rooted and now being built up and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. How do we receive him? By faith. How are we to continue living? By faith. In Romans 4, how to receive the, the promises of, of Abraham, which ultimately are in Christ. Go read Romans 4. By faith. By believing, by trusting. So back in John 1.12, those who believe in his name, notice again the tense, believe. It's present, it's active. You don't just believe and then stop believing and get all the benefits that Jesus offers. It's a continuous belief. So, if we put it all together, those who receive Christ once by faith, keep believing. And as we'll see later as we go through the Gospel of John, many disciples, they believed and then stopped believing. But a true child of God keeps believing, keeps trusting. Even when you look at your circumstances, even when you look out in the world and it doesn't look good, you look up and you taste and see that the Lord is good, and so you keep believing. That's a true child of God. But what does it mean to believe in his name? In ancient culture, and Israel was no different, a name was more than what we think of in American society. We view it as just a label. My name's Tommy. <laughs> so if you say Tommy, I'm going to answer. That's, that's my name. But in ancient times, the names told you about a person. It was about their birth, their nature, their position, their function, their purpose. In Genesis, Abram's name was changed to Abraham. Why? God told him, no longer your name, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Abraham means father of many nations. His name reflected who he was. Friends, I submit to you that Jesus Christ is no different. Look, look at the names, listen to the names of Jesus in the Gospel of John alone. In worship. He is the Word. He is God. He's the true light. He's the creator. He's the life. He's the Son. He's the Christ. He is the Lamb of God. He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the living Word. He is the bread of life. He's the Son of Man. He's the prophet. He's the Holy One of God. He is the light of the world. He is the great I Am. Are you worshiping? He is the Lord. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He's the resurrection and the life. Oh, but John keeps going. He is both teacher and Lord. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is the true vine. He is the overcomer. He is the great high priest. He is Jesus of Nazareth, and yet, church, he is king. To believe in his name is to believe that Jesus is the essence of all that is bound up in his name or his names. It is to believe in the person of Christ. It is to believe in his, to believe in his name is to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and to receive him for who he is. The word is not a label. Jesus is the word of God. He's the full revelation of God. Do you believe that? He's the lamb of God. 
Do you believe that Jesus is, is the only sacrifice that can make you right with the living God? He is God. He's not a mere rep- representation of what God is like. Jesus is God. And all that that means, if you want to become of the family of God, if you want to be a child of God, you must believe in his name. And church, if you believe right now in this Jesus the Bible speaks of, he gives you the right to become a child of God. He gave, he gave, the true light gave. Those who receive Christ by faith are given a right, a privilege to become God's child. Notice that this verse here is contract with those who didn't receive. Verse 11 says, he came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. In other words, as we said in the beginning of the sermon, not everyone is a child of God. Did God make everyone? Yes. Is he the father of all creation? Yes, but don't get it twisted. Everyone does not have the right, the privilege, to call him father. In John 8, Jesus tells the Pharisees boldly, God's not your father. The devil's your father because of the way you act. Is God your father? Can you call him father on the basis of scripture? Who can? Those who receive Christ by faith. Now, just a few things on that. What's the significance of being a child of God? Oh, if you would go home this week and if you would search the scriptures of child of God, children of God, son of God, and you just look up all the blessings that we have in Jesus about being a part of his family. But I'll give you a couple. Notice, being a child of God, it ain't just you. Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Children is plural, y'all. We're part of the family of God. Did you know that I'm your brother if you and Jesus? Notice I said if you and Jesus. I'm, you're my sister. Some of you, if, if you are in Jesus, we're part of the family of God. You know, I told somebody this, this past, past week, I went to West Memphis and preached the gospel to some, uh, some football players. And I told them, I have family who, I have family in Wisconsin, family in, in Chicago, blood family. But praise God, I have family in Memphis. That I can look, I can see my family in Memphis. My blood family in Memphis. Because it's by the blood of Jesus that we are family. And I praise God for you. We're his children. We're part of his family. And that means we're not alone, y'all. In the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of us being isolated, oh, let's come together as a family. We have saints who we haven't seen in months. Let's love one another. Let's love the children of God and reach out and encourage one another to become more and more like Jesus. If you need anything, you call me. And if I need anything, I'll call you because we're family. But notice, church, this family isn't just, being a child of God isn't just inward. It's also outward. In John 10, when Caiaphas, the high priest, told the Pharisees that Jesus was going to take one for the team, that he was going to die for the nation, John goes on to say in verse 52, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. That's us, y'all. That includes us. Jesus came and he was rejected and nailed to a cross for the purpose of gathering one people unto himself, the sheep, the church, the family. And those who receive Christ by faith are members of God's family. Now, what's the point? You said this was outward. There's more sheep, y'all. 
We got brothers and sisters that we don't even know about. Let's preach the gospel. Let's be faithful witnesses like our brother John the Baptist and watch God Almighty add to his family. Whether it be locally or even universal. Another part I want us to draw, being a child of God. What does that mean to be God's child? It means we have a father, y'all. Aren't you glad that we have a father? Do you know Jesus? Fathers provide for their children. They protect their children. They're gentle and caring for their child. They listen to their child. They discipline their child. They love their children. Oh, but the great father, he does all those things and more, y'all. He protects his children. He uses the church. He uses his word to protect us. He's so gentle and kind. You know how many times I should have been disciplined? The Lord's anger should have bonded on me. But he was so gracious and kind. The Lord listens to us. Don't you, don't you glad you have a father who, you can, who listens to you? In the midst of a pandemic, when you feel so isolated, you can go to the Father, you can cry out to him, and he listens. When you are full of sorrow and angst and worry about what's going to happen, you have a Father who says, come to me. And he listens. He cares. And by the blood of Jesus, we can approach him whenever we desire, y'all. We have a Father Oh, church, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. We have a Father. Praise God. John continues his thought. To explain how one becomes a child of God. So first you must receive Christ by faith in, in believing all that he is. So if he's king, you, you treat him as king. You're not the ruler, he is the ruler. So even in belief, believing in his name, there's a sense of repentance, right? But he goes on. You become a child of God through a supernatural birth. How can we receive Christ? How can we receive Christ? Romans tells us that we're born sinners. We're born in darkness. John 3 from earlier tells us those in darkness hated the light. Ephesians 2 tells us that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. So how can we receive this Jesus? John first tells us three ways it didn't happen. And then gives us the positive as to how it happened. First, in verse 13, as we receive Christ, we're born of God. Born, excuse me, not of blood. This could mean, also, some of the translations say, not of bloods, plural. For into multiple bloodlines, mom's bloodline, dad's bloodline, going all the way back in human history. And so Jesus doesn't give you the right to become a child of God just because you're born into the right family. Because you're an Evans, or because you're a fill-in-the-blank with your last name. The Jews, they thought they had it good. They thought they were children of God because of Abraham. John says your bloodline doesn't make you a child of God. Children, you still with me? Teenagers, grown folks, just because your mommy and daddy know Jesus doesn't make you a child of God. You must receive Christ. You must believe in his name to become a child of God. Secondly, this birth was not of the will of the flesh. Flesh here can refer to your sinful state, as Paul often uses it. But it seems in John, it's more concerned with your natural human condition, that you are weak. The word became flesh. We know that Jesus wasn't sinful, but he was human. He was frail. He was weak. He could die. In John 6, when Jesus was speaking concerning the bread of life, and eat my flesh and drink my blood, he told his disciples, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh, the flesh profits nothing. The words I've spoken to you are spirit 
and our life. In other words, you can't will yourself to Jesus. You can't sit there in that chair. I'm going to try, so I'm, li- I'm trying to listen. I'm going to just, just come to Jesus. You're too weak. You can't do it. And third and finally, so those who are born are born not nor of the will of man. The word man is often translated in other places, husband. So it can mean it is the, the godly husband who begot children, children who are born to him. John could be saying that, that is, is the, the hus- it is the husband that doesn't determine, or the leader of the home that doesn't determine who is God's child. Or it can be referring to any male, any man. It is not the will of man. And so it is even I, as I preach this sermon, oh, how I want you to come to Jesus. Oh, how I want my own kids to come to Jesus. But I can't will them to Jesus. Can't use my magic formula. Parents and dads, you can say, you can set up everything just right for your kids. Do the weekly devotions. Go to church on Sunday. You can find someone to disciple your children. You can homeschool. You can private school. You can public school. You can do whatever you want. But children of God are not born out of your faithfulness. They are, verse 13, born of God. Church, you can't make what is dead come alive. John is saying that that all those who are children of God are God's children, not because of any human effort or physical lineage. One must be born of God, the Holy Spirit. This is the great doctrine of regeneration. It'll come up again in John 3. In fact, in John 3, 5 through 6, Jesus tells Nicodemus, Pharisee, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. In order to be made alive, in order to receive, uh, you must be born again through the supernatural working of the Spirit. Speaks of a changed heart, a new nature that the Spirit must do in a person that, that he would want to receive Christ by faith. So how does one become a child of God? You receive Christ on the basis of faith. And you're born again by the Spirit of God. You receive Christ on the basis of faith. You're born again by the Spirit of God. So, Pastor, what happens first? Do you believe first, and then you're born again? Or are you born again, and then you believe? It's been a great debate in church history, and even today amongst evangelicals. John Murray, once professor at Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia, in his book, Redemption Accomplished and Applied, says this. We are not born again by faith or repentance or conversion. We repent and believe because we have been regenerated. No one can say in in truth that Jesus is the Christ except by regeneration of the Spirit. And that is one of the ways by which the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ. The embrace of Christ in faith is the first evidence of regeneration. And only thus... May we know that we have been regenerated. So which comes first? The Spirit. God does the work. God does the work. I'm not the result of my first birth, and I wasn't the result of my second birth. To God be the glory, church. And may he do it in you. So application. If you don't know Jesus, same as last week, y'all. Believe and repent. If you're not a child of God based on this word, believe in his name. Repent of your sins. Turn towards Christ. Believe and live. Believe and live. And my family, my church, we're not it, y'all. You ever look at these these chairs on these racks? You ever wondered... Why are there chairs on the racks? Is it because, because of the pandemic? Is it because folks are sick? Is it because folks are on vacation? Is it because we might every once in a while have a random visitor come in? 
church, I believe it's, it's theological. There are members of God's family that he hasn't gotten yet. And when he uses us to tell my future brother the gospel, and the Spirit comes in and does an amazing work, and he comes to church, he will have a chair. Because we're prepared. We're expecting him to do it. Preach the gospel, saints. And lastly, family, we can't do this on our own. We didn't save ourselves, and we can't save anybody else. We must be dependent on the Spirit of God to do the work. We must pray for boldness to speak as we ought to speak, but also pray that the Spirit would do what only the Spirit can do, cause supernatural births. We must pray that God would make a sinner a saint. And we must pray that God would make a child of Satan a child of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We who believe in his name, thank you that you and you alone the power of your spirit have made us children of God. Oh, what a work. We praise you that we get to call you the almighty God, Father, and that even now, you're not too busy for us. You hear us. And so we, as your people, we pray for those who are not yet of your fold, that you would cause them to be born again. Father, we pray for the children in this church who we want to know Jesus, but we know that only you can do it, and so we, we fully depend on you as we do for our salvation, for their salvation, that, that you would go get those who are yours, that you would save our kids, that you would save those in Uptown. Oh, and mighty God, use us. Use us to be your channels of mercy who share, who proclaim the good news in our houses, in our neighborhoods, in our places of occupation, and in this world. Do it, God, and to thine be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.